376th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that flies with the fairies and digs with the dinosaurs in pursuit of buried cardboard treasure. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. Um, As always, I'm looking forward to diving into all the developments of the week. But before we do, I want to remind our listeners that this show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on an amazing Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MDG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering single, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on our agenda this week? We're going to start off with the week in review for the metagame. We had some challenges in Pioneer and Modern. I almost said Pio Modern. I don't know what that is. <laughs> That's a whole new thing. It's They might be. Segment two is going to be our top movers in paper, followed by segment three, our top movers online. In segment four, you and I have cards to watch, and then we're going to close out with our topic of the week, which is planning for Ixalan and Eldraine. The set's coming up a little later this year and should be full of spice. Kicking things off, we'll jump into this metagame week in review over... On Magic Online, the Modern Challenge, this past Saturday, May 13th, whole thing was taken down by Sultai Shadow, uh, a new incarnation of a Death Shadow brew that is leveraging the presence of four copies of Invasion of Ikoria, the uh, out of March of the Machine. And this one's got some really cute play patterns because you can go do things like turn to Invasion for Dryad Arbor, you're up to three, potentially three or four lands on the next turn, and then you invasion again and get Hex Mage and take the counters off the first invasion. Uh, you can indeed, like this is one of the things that got Green Sun Zenith banned, is the fact that you can turn one uh, Green Sun Zenith for the Dryad Arbor, which makes it really powerful acceleration. So being able to do this... Uh, Albeit one turn later, it's still quite powerful, and I'm not surprised to see people trying to break cards that let you tutor through your library like this. It's also funny because we had a discussion during the EDH games with the Pro Traders this weekend where people were making fun of uh, Tarmogoyf, but here we have it taking down the challenge, so it can't be that dead in the water. Oh, it's a new card type for Tarmogoyf, isn't it? Exactly. So Tarmogoyf is even bigger now. Spicy. I like it. I like it. It's also got all the cute stuff that variants of this deck have done before where they can dress down their own creatures because death shadow is a 13 13 for one if it has no abilities so it might be a four four or something and then you dress down it becomes a 13 13 if they left their defenses down they might just die oh my goodness gracious that's an enchantment with flash so it just wow for one turn you just like break some giant face yep i love that the other <laughs> that's thing is amazing that also might if for some reason you don't don't want to swing at your opponent for 13, you could hit Invasion of Ikoria and drag things out 
and give them a less merciful death where the flip side of that lets your creatures deal damage as though they weren't blocked or something, doesn't it? Right. It's an 8-8 that gives you that pseudo unblockability. They block it, but you still assign the damage to them. So very curious to see if this will be a the default version of Death Shadows decks in modern and whether this was a one-off for the weekend or we're going to see a whole bunch of it. Probably the bigger story here, at least so far, um, is that Hardened Scales was three of the top eight, second, fifth, and sixth, all running three copies of Ozolith the Shattered Spire. You know, we flagged it as a card, one of the few cards in Mom likely to make it into modern, and indeed it did. It's not a one or a two of, it's, they're running it as a three of, it's that good. In fact, they're running more copies of this than the original Ozolith, which is typically two copies to the three of the Shattered Spire. I also ran this in EDH this weekend uh, in my Atraxa Counters Matters build, and it did a ton of work interacting with other creatures that move counters around. So, very good card. Yeah, it's not hard to argue with that. It's a backup copy of Hardened Scales for just one more mana. So if you have managed to have turn one scales, turn two Ozolith into Name Your Poison on turn three... You know, that's going to be a, a pretty awesome thing to do. I always love when random uncommons that you could build a whole draft deck around make it as a four of in constructed formats. Patchwork Automaton is just amazing, and I'm glad to see that little guy get a, a spotlight. Also worth flagging that Ozolith the Shattered Spire is the fourth most played card out of March of the Machine on EDH Rec, currently in 8,000 decks or 7% of all green decks, behind Tribute to the World Tree at 12,000, Fairy Mastermind at 11.5, and Invasion of Ikoria that we were just talking about in the Sultai Shadowbrew is also in third place on EDH Rec, 8,500 decks, 8% of all green decks. So you have some serious new staples, especially in green between Tribute... Uh, Invasion, and Ozolith. Number five on that list, very close to the Shattered Spire, is Itali Primal Conqueror, uh, which is showing up in 10% of all red decks, which is a very strong percentage inclusion. I mean, it's every Itali is everything you want. You get giant dinosaur that transforms into an even more giant dinosaur, and then you get to play with other people's cards, which is something that magic players will really never get tired of. And most importantly, it's when it enters the battlefield. So not right. not on cast, and as opposed to the old Italian that had to, ha- you typically wanted had to, to give haste so that it could attack. Uh, right. You know, and this is casting all of the cards off the top, and then yeah, you have the blight steel potential, which is just ridiculous. You can also blink Italian and and make it extra <laughs> nasty. That's why uh, Twin Flame was so popular, and why it showed yes. up for three why, or four. Why weeks the foil etch was going years. at people were going after the foil etch. That's right. And uh, seventh and eighth was Black Red Scam here, and Creativity was third and fourth. So, almost aside from the the updated scales brews, half of this top eight is predicated on strategies that didn't even exist twenty four months ago in this format. Kicking it on over to the Pioneer Challenge from this Sunday, May fourteenth, it was Black Red Mid Range, you know the ever-present black-red mid-range in second, fourth, and fifth for this Pioneer tournament. Blue-white control was in third with three of the five mana Teferi, four the Wandering Emperor, three temporary lockdown. Very interested to see the lockdown take uh, hold with blue-white control and Pioneer as I've been running on an historic uh, as a three of for ages in my Esper Angels build. And... We've got Mono Green in 6th with 3 Pelucanos Reborn as fresh action, Blue White Spirits in 7th, and another Black Red 
mid-range list in eighth. This one, though, was taken down by, uh, you know, matching spice from to the Sultai Shadow in the Modern Challenge. We've got five-color Niv-Mizzet making a reappearance, but it's not just five-color Niv, it's five-color Niv-Yorion with three Niv-Mizzet Reborn and one Niv-Mizzet Supreme, which is uh, another Aftermath card, if I'm not mistaken. Right. It's the same casting cost, flying hexproof from monocolored, so you can only take it down with two colored spells. And then each instant in your graveyard, instant and sorcery in your graveyard that isn't that is exactly two colors has jumpstart, which is a pretty awesome thing to do with Bring to Light, because while Bring to Light wants you this is a Bring to Light deck, right? Oh yeah, for Bring the Light. Because while this uh Bring the Light wants you to use all five colors to cast it, the spell itself is only two. So your first Bring to Light goes and fetches Niv-Mizzet Supreme, and then you can immediately, on your next turn, cast it again for the cost of discarding a land. And given that Leyline Binding is a really big piece of removal these days, the Hexproof and Monocolored is no joke. It also naturally dodges Fatal Push, so and a lot of the red spells are not going to be able to deal with the five toughness. So this is this is a fairly resilient creature, and... Yeah, yet another version of Niv-Mizzet that's going to do work. Like, against the, a mono-green deck, what what is it going to do against a resolved card that has Hexproof from this? Your whole, it's not protection. It's very important to note that, you know, you can't just stick this in front of Polukranos and call it a day, you know, but it does have Hexproof, which will render it immune to the spells and effects. Yep. Moving on over to the top paper movers of the week, all sorts of action. Chandra Hope's Beacon is getting buoyed by solid standard play. We saw a lot of it doing work on camera at the Pro Tour, and as a result, the regular copies have gone 5 to $7, 40% gains. Wouldn't be super surprised to see that be a 10 to $15 Mythic in the fall if there's enough standard play going on. I actually wrote about it on Friday, so yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised either. Gotcha. Sliver Legion, number 1149, because there's been a couple printed printings in Secret Lair. I think this was the... Art- no, the five-color Secret Lair drop. Oh, that might That's be true. Yeah, that might be true. The copies went 13 to $19. It's hollowing out ahead of that Sliver Commander Masters EDH deck that's coming out in a few months. We've got Sigarda's Aid foils out of Eldritch Moon going 20 to $30 on the back of being in 46,000 decks on EDH Rec, as well as a Hammer Time Modern Staple. And just hasn't seen that many printings in in fancy versions, if I recall correctly. Yeah, no, it it hasn't. This is a card that somehow has avoided the special printing so far for whatever reason. We think that they're going to reprint everything eventually. And it's true, they will eventually print everything again. But this particular one has just had the original Eldritch Moon and then a Commander Legends reprint, but nothing with a fancy frame. definitely have a sense this could show up in commander masters definitely a seller for 30 dollars foils 30 dollars plus it's not going to dodge a reprint forever it could also show up in a secret layer with with borderless art anytime we've got skitherix the blight dragon halo foils out of the multiverse legends mom stuff that was just released less than a month ago and going from 45 to 70 dollars nearly hollowed out uh, on TCG player. Early Halo foil targeting pretty clearly. So it's a card that's in 20,000 EDH rec decks. Anybody that's building poison brews usually wants a copy of it. And the Halo foils are the hardest to pull. Definitely a trend line developing over the last 12 months or so where speculators and vendors are getting a sense that it's relatively safe to go in early on the really hard, the really low pull rate premiums out of the standard sets because 
there's just isn't enough of them for the price to get pushed down if there's a solid play pattern in place. And in terms of exactly how rare it is, if you were subscribed to ProTrader, you would have known uh, last week that this is these Halo foils are one in every 360 commander, uh, excuse me, collector boosters for the set. Which is thousands and thousands of dollars that needs to be spent to find any given copy. The And the other thing is that the serialized cards, card prices from Mom for the key cards have held up pretty well. So they don't really put, put any financial pressure on the Halo foils. It's just like an entire different price tier. If we go back as far as something like Neon Dynasty and look at the Wandering Emperor showcases, those have drifted down from about a hundred and almost two hundred dollars at their peak, down into they've been relatively flat around a hundred and ten for better part of six months. But those are getting pretty tough to find. There's only twenty four listings left, pretty steep ramp up to about one fifty plus, and I will not be surprised at all if another year out these are back at two hundred dollars and more because given that st- a standard is three years now so wandering emperor is right. going to be in play in white builds for a while forever in yeah, blue white year. blue white control and pioneer it's played it does show up in blue white and esper control and jeskai control builds in modern which is a little bit on the fringes you don't see a lot of blue white control in modern these days but there's also the edh play where it's got very solid stats as well not to mention it's a beloved piece of anime art which where yeah. I, I think Haruya has uh, the set foil version because that was a the desired version in Japan to come out of draft and set booster boxes as opposed to the collector boosters. Those are still pushing two thousand dollars. So, uh, one thing I I was looking at the wrong row in my spreadsheet. The uh, Halo foils from the that Multiverse Legend sheet actually comes out to every seven hundred and fifty collector boosters. Yeah, that's quite a lot. So heading over to the next card, we got Undying Malice Silver Screen Foils, 14 to 22. Got to think that that's Black Red Scam and speculators that are aware of that deck looking for Black Red Scam targets. We just saw that it put two two copies of the deck in the top eight of the Modern Challenge on the weekend. And those Silver Screen Foils, as we've seen in the past, are relatively scarce due to the set not being well-received, not particularly broadly opened. And as a result, people have been able to corner them alongside Surge Foils and Halo Foils and, and all the rest all the way through the year. We've got Magma Opus regular copies at a Strixhaven, 4 to 650. And that's the creativity decks in Pioneer that's driving that. And then Breach the Multiverse out of Mom, 225 to 4. This was as low as a dollar. Uh, it was true bulk heading into the Pro Tour weekend, but it did enough work on, on camera during that tournament that it got buoyed in his. You know, I think we're going to see it now has what two and a half years or something that it's going to exist in standard. Yeah. This is going to be a card you deal with in standard for a long time, and it's going to be a reason that a lot of decks want to keep a counter spell around or some kind of graveyard interaction. Escape to the Wilds, Foil Extended Arts out of Eldrain, 15 to 28 dollars. Pioneer Modern Fringe Use, it's also in 21,000 decks on EDH Rec. I just sold one the other day for I think it was 18 dollars. If you cracked. Eldrain Collector Boosters, which was the original Collector Booster, probably had a couple of these sitting around, and it would be a good time to list them. Can't argue with that. It's exactly where you want to be. If you've got it, get rid of it. Uh, Do you think it's a card we'll see? If you haven't played this card, like you don't think it would be as good as it is, but it's amazing, especially on turn five if you haven't played a land yet. Yep, yep. 
And then tapping into the themes of our topic of the week, Temple Altasaur, a five casting cost dinosaur that reduces all damage to dinosaurs to one, went nine to 25 in foil, presumably because people see Ixalan coming down the, the pipe this fall. And we have Nissa Resurgent Animus Retro Frame here, and I forgot to fill in the final details. I think it was as low as $35 as inventory started to get loaded and got about up to about 65 something like that. It showed up in early modern testing. I was watching Aspiring Spike play a brew this afternoon where he ended up playing against a Elementals deck where they played Nissa, then they cracked a fetch. Nissa got two mana, they cracked the remaining land, and they had gone to f- they get to go pull the next elemental, I think it is. That's how that works, right. right? Elf or elemental card. Right. Off the top of their deck. So in a deck that just had solitude or fury, you'd be guaranteed to go find one. And in the deck that has all elementals, they're all pretty good. Like I think they hit a risen reef. Uh, and then cast it. So <laughs> in the one turn, they managed to get a Nissa and a Risen Reef on the, on the table, and they had Fury and or Solitude presumably in hand to be discarded with four or five cards left in hand. So Nissa's looking pretty good. And it, I think this Aftermath is very likely to play out kind of exactly as we called it. It's a bit of a wonky set in, in terms of being so small and having so many variants of the same cards and certainly any of the cards that don't see broad play patterns, there's just going to be way too many copies of those cards sitting around. But there's also, because it's not being particularly well received and may not be broadly open, same as with Double Feature or something like Battle Bond, that's the circumstance where you can end up with four or five of the cards in the set doing very, very well, very, very quickly. Because if people go, oh, crap, I missed that. That's actually a, a potential modern staple. And keep in mind that this is a unique set because it is not commander only. It's standard, standard and legal. beyond. So these car- if these cards yeah. get popular in any combination of standard, pioneer, modern, legacy, EDH, two or three of the above then they have spike potential. And we've already seen four or five of the relevant Halo foils from this set spiking over the weekend as people just decided to go target them early. Uh, Again, very low enough drop rates on that stuff, even with all the variants, that the Halo foils are a decent play. Finishing up our list this week is a perfect example of that. We have Plarg and Nasari Halo foil. This is a card I flagged to the pro traders when it was leaked, saying, this is better than you think it is. Like, this this card can do some work in Commander for sure. I don't know if it's going to see play anywhere else. But in terms of being a Commander card, it looks very reasonable. It's a 5-4 for 5. At the beginning of your upkeep, each player exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card. An opponent chooses a non-land card exiled this way. You may cast up to two spells from the others. So it's basically like a, a weird fact or fiction every turn where you're getting to see the top card of everybody's library, the best card you get denied, and you're hoping that the other two don't include any lands and you're going to get two free spells a turn. Yeah, you can only cast spells. You can't get any lands off of them. That's an important detail about this. But it's neat. It's super neat. But like I was saying before with Itali, we love playing with other people's entire deck. And this is one of those cards that will allow you to do that consistently. And it's a shame that this isn't blue for whatever the enchantment is that gives you a second upkeep. Uh, I was just thinking of that myself. Is that 
Paradox Haze. Paradox Haze is what it's called. Good memory, but there's uh, other ways to copy this triggered ability. But Paradox Haze is just a neat card that does cool things with something like this. Oh, yeah. Stryonic Resonator likes this, too. Now, is this a $70 foil? Maybe not. Uh, currently, they're the lowest price copy is about 40 bucks with shipping. There's only eight listings left after people went after the Halo foils at prices as low as $6 over the weekend. So th- this is just the quick flip brigade, right? Like they're hoping that the hype will be enough around the card for enough days that they can get their copies in at six to fifteen, flip them out at twenty-five to thirty as the you know the lowest price uh, on the platform at the time, and then just move on to the next thing. Uh, they don't. It, it's not a commentary on whether or not they think this is a EDH super staple by any means. It is a supply play. I mean, there, there it takes one hundred and eighty collector boosters of aftermath to open one of these in halo foil so that's a lot of product you have to churn through in order to grab just one so you can imagine how many have been opened to this point and if there aren't that many put into circulation there just aren't that many to be had it's not like people are going to be sitting around like oh i can't wait to crack aftermath that is not what uh vendors are really telling us at this point and it's not a draftable set at all no so in, in fact drafting it would probably be pretty funny would would make for good YouTube content because it's you just like have so card packs. so so many copies of the same card. <laughs> You'd also It'd have like wild. six Nissa Resurgent Animist in your every every deck. The okay, so over on EDH Rack, the top five cards from the set so far, with very early stats, everything's under five hundred decks so far, is the Kenrith's Royal F- Funeral is number one. Nissa is number two. Plarg and the Sorry number three. Sarkin Soul of Flame number four. I, again, heading into the Ur-Dragon later this summer. Calyx Guided by Fate is number five. So that, that's where things stand there. Uh, I think that if you can quick flip this stuff, cool. But eventually, I expect most of these early specs to get overwhelmed by cheap mass crack jobs by the gaming company and others. So it's not something where I, I recommend you be the last person standing. Over on Magic Online, segment three, we've got... Big movers of the week as Invasion of Gobicon out of March of the Machine, 0.75 ticks to 2.14 ticks, 185% gains on the back of Standard and Pioneer Play. We've got Undermountain Adventurer out of uh, Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate, 0.57 ticks to 1.65. That's going to be Legacy Play, driving that 190% gainer. And then Invasion of Iacoria on the back of that Saltai Shadow Modern Challenge Takedown. Going 0.33 ticks to 2.31 for 600% gains. And I have to guess that there are at least a few pro traders that were taking a flyer on this card early and are set up to do pretty well selling back to the bots. Would you, like, if you bought in at at uh, 0.3 ticks, you're definitely selling at 2.3. But, I mean, we're not really opening as much March of the Machines online anymore uh, is there a case to be made that this is a hold until it shows up in a treasure chest or something? This is going to be standard legal like until we're ancient, man. On Magic Online, what matters is how long it's drafted without being interrupted right. for the most part. And then how many formats are have the card in demand. Currently, it looks like we need that Sultai Shadow deck to keep doing well in Modern to complement potential standard and Pioneer play. You know, you would want a three, if, given that it's a rare, not a mythic, you need three format right. support to really, you know, give it the potential to be one of these ridiculous rares that ends up, you know, 15 tickets plus, which is 
relatively rare on Magic Online. So is it reasonable to get out at 2.3? It is, especially if you don't believe that the Sultai Shadow deck is more than a blip on the radar. Okay. That's true. But, as you said, it's going to get multiple years in standard, and I would imagine that this card is good enough in that role, a role we have been, you know, seen in the past with Green Sun Zenith and Finale of Devastation. The green creature tutors are rarely bad at this casting cost. And given that this one can flip into a game-ending attack condition, I suspect that it's got a home in, in at least standard and Pioneer. And certainly does in EDH, as we saw it as the top three. The Hex Mage interaction is just so dang cute if you've got the second uh, battle to go find. I love it. Well, and there's there's other cards that can do that, like Hex Parasite and, and some others. And I'm sure in the future they're going to print some, some other stuff. Because they want the battles to be good. And they're planning on printing more. I suspect we're getting more as early as Lord of the Rings, where it makes perfect sense to include them. And cards that interact with battles will, will therefore continue to be a developing theme. All right, moving on over to Cards to Watch, segment four. I'm going to kick things off with my first selection of the week, Etherflux Reservoir Schematic Foils out of Brothers War Collector Boosters. One of the few schematics that I think actually looks better than the straight-up retro frame. Uh, For instance, I think the Mox Amber looks better in, in retro than the schematic. And it was printed as a Mythic here, not a rare as it was in its original printing in the Kaladesh block. There's only 30 listings of these left, and that's just six or seven months out from a release, right? So 30 listings, no major walls. I think the most copies anybody has posted to TCG Player is three. Uh, Relatively flat, around $20 for the first 10 listings or so, and then starts to climb up towards 30 I think it's very likely, given that this is, you know, EDH only play for the most part, but it's in 118,000 decks on EDH Rec, so it's safe to say that that's an EDH staple. Very reasonable to imagine that a version of this card that looks this good and is this rare, it's in a retro frame, it's got unique art, going 20 to 35 over the next year or so seems pretty likely. 20 to 35 seems like a, a lock, considering that the the schematic non-foil is similarly priced to the original Kaladesh foil. So being a mythic this time is actually a rare the first time around in Kaladesh. I forgot about that. But it was so it, it was not terribly good <laughs> as a rare. So I didn't really care about making it rare versus mythic. But I am inclined to agree with you. This is seems rock solid given the amount of commander play it gets you know you you know what it does you want to cast a bunch of spells and then activate the giant space laser and just blast somebody out of there it's not just about um you know how many spells you cast if you're putting this in whatever life gain deck you want or whatever color variations you want if you've got 70 life just cast this and just kerblamo somebody's out of there this is a good pick i approve highly Alrighty, what about your first selection uh, my first pick this week, we didn't have a Surge Foil on the cards to watch this week for the first time in, I think, a month or two. Uh, but I'm picking Cage Sun, the Surge Foils, out of the 40k uh, collector sets. In the next 6 to 12 months, it should go conservatively 5 bucks to 12 bucks. It's in 68,000 Commander decks online. Currently, you have 28 vendors with totaling less than 100 copies on TCG Player. 
And, you know, it's a good card that you should play in just about any monocolored deck. It's six mana, yes, but it doubles up all your stuff and it goes into any monocolor deck, giving you double the mana and so much more of the fun. Uh, if you really feel spicy, there's a serialized that's for 300 on TCG Player. I think that's worth looking at too. It's had time to settle downward. But the Surge Foils, you know, we've we've seen almost one every week. And I think this one is ready to pop off. I do think that a lot of the Surge Foil targeting has, in fact, been vendor speculator targeted. And it may not reflect the true demand in, in the market. So I'm very curious to see what the sales pattern for a lot of these is going to look like. Uh, a couple years down the road, the that said, Cage Sun is a has a solid track record in the EDH world. The Surge Foils are backed at say Card Kingdom buy list at two dollars cash, two sixty credit. So you're not at tremendous risk to pick these up in the four to six dollar range. And it also seems like the kind of card that the people that have been targeting Surge Foils this entire time are going to get around to targeting at some point. So if it's not this week, it could be a month from now. It could be three months from now. Could just be a slow, steady bleed from the people that actually want to collect or play it. But this seems very reasonable on on the horizon you outlined. Do I feel confident about six months? No, but certainly 12 to 18, I do. Yeah, it's just a matter of time with the Surge Foils. I think it'll get there. You know, if they blow us out with uh, some super sweet version in Commander Masters, then, you know, all bets are off. But with what we know now, I think we're, we're feeling good about that. The next one I want to talk about is Blind Obedience, and specifically uh, I'm looking at the Borderless Foil version from Secret Layer from last year. I'm thinking about this card because it keeps coming up in EDH games, and as with Protection Racket, which in the game we played this weekend I dealt 53 damage to the table with, <laughs> and... Bloodsheaf's Ascension, which for one black mana almost always presents itself as a must-destroy threat, where the entire it turns you into the uh, the arch enemy. Absolutely, ta- table absolutely starts discussing how they're going to get rid of it or handle you. Blind Obedience is is in that same ballpark, and I keep forgetting to add it to my Aloro deck, where it's the most natural fit in the world. And if you go Bloodsheaf's Ascension into Blind Obedience into Protection Racket, your table has a lot of problems to solve. In the same way that if somebody goes Esper Sentinel into something something into Ristic Study, <laughs> oh my God, you, you become you become the arch. What are you What are you trying to do? Like get somebody like the table's going to get flipped and they're going to all yank out table legs and use them to stake you through the heart. You do something like that. Blind Obedience doesn't have that many versions, and this one is by far the best art. I even I forgot this version even existed because I think I just kind of overlooked. Uh, this particular drop, uh, because the rest of it wasn't all that attractive. But on right. TCG Player, the borderless foils are down to 15 listings. They're sitting at $27 minimum. Over mm-hmm. in Europe, you can still get them for 14 to 16 euro with which with conversion and shipping, assuming you've got a shipping partner or a bounce uh, account set up over there, should get you in the door under $20. You've already got a, a, a nice comfy gap between North American pricing and your final price in Europe, which should set you up to get in at 20 and out at 30 to 40 somewhere within the next year. And worst case scenario, you throw one or two copies in your white decks and sit on them until it's time to sell. If, you can, if you've got the hookup for these, it's where you want to be. The card moves you know one or two cop uh, copy every day copy every other day sort of thing especially at this foil 
it truly is much prettier than any of the others. Uh, every time there's a secret layer where they take the frame out and they let the art really shine through, I love it. I also really appreciate that on this version, they put extort on there and they left off the reminder text so that it's clear the reminder text doesn't affect its color identity. So you don't have to play this in a black-white deck, you can just play it in any white deck. It's super annoying for your opponents. It's something we love to do. It will be a condition uh, all on its own. This is this is solid. There's almost no copies online for TCG Player, and especially if you're getting in at the Europe price. Uh, slam Dunk, very good pick. Way to go with uh, figuring out what's overseas. All right, how about uh, what are you looking at? Oh, you're looking, you got a you got an aftermath card for us here. I I do. Uh, I am the last person, generally speaking, who wants to move in early on cards. I have written repeatedly about don't do it. And I am breaking this rule because Karn Legacy Reforged scares the bejeebers out of me. So it's five mana for a mythic artifact creature. Has power and toughness equal to the highest converted mana cost of the artifacts you control. So at least he's a 5-5 five, five for five. And then at the beginning of your upkeep... You add a colorless for every artifact you control. That mana doesn't leave your pool until end of turn. So you get a bunch of mana at your upkeep, and then you can spend that uh, throughout. And right now, you can get Karn for around... Uh, I put down... It's it's moving a lot, but I'm, I put it for $12 on TCG Player. And just it's for the most basic copies. This should be a non-foil. I forgot to change that. So... For the non-foils, uh, 12 to $20 is what I'm picking because this is got a lot of potential in Commander. It's Mythic. There's no Halo foil of this, so you're going to get uh, the Retro foil version is the rarest one, and those aren't crazy rare like the Halo copies. I'm going for the cheapest version at $12 that I think this will be one of the cards that goes up from here. Interesting. So can you get the regular copies in the collector boosters for Aftermath, or are they only available in the booster boxes? No, the collector boosters only have foils and foil etched. So you will only be able to get non-foil cards if you open the epilogue boosters, which have exactly six cards in them, and you'll, you're guaranteed one non-foil rare or mythic. Gotcha. I have a feeling, given the early stats on EDH Rec, unless it turns around or there is a big artifact-focused commander that comes to the forefront, because if we look at the stats over on EDH Rec, top commanders of the last month, we have Atraxa. Oh, no, the stats are not there for Karn yet on EDH Rec. It's true. I'm oh, not... no, it, but it's not even that. I'm, I'm looking at which commanders would want to play the card. So Atraxa is in... Is in First, then Sadar Jabari, Omnath, Timna, Thalia, and the Gitrog monster, the Erdragon, Shalai and Halar, Gishath, Simone, the, and Lathril, and Joda. The thing, thing that ties all that together is there's not a single colorless commander in the bunch. And there's not a single Artifacts Matters commander in the bunch. Everything here is either tribal or it's multicolored good stuff. And as a result, there just isn't a strong impetus to run out and buy this for EDH. And I suspect that the regular copies are a buy, but at whatever they bought them out at. And I think that could be as low as 3 or $4. I, 
I don't know if he gets that low being a mythic, especially because uh, you can't pull these out of the collector boosters. But I agree. There is absolutely a chance. Like, he's fallen like a rock since it started. And we're already down a significant amount from a lot of the early pre-orders. But what he offers is so busted in decks that do care about artifacts. I don't know if EDH Rec will back up the stats eventually. But this is one that I... I'm looking at buying a few copies at this cheapest version to get in on. If you wanted to go for um, the the retro frame, even a non-foil, is three times more. Uh, or close to it, two and a half times more. And the other versions are, you know, closer, the $15, dollars $18. $18. So this one being so cheap and offering the power that it does, I am saying that this this would be my pick for a card that that climbs like hell from here and i i fully understand you want to wait i am almost always the first one to say that we need to wait we definitely don't buy cards the first week you're more likely to lose money i have all that caveat in mind and i am still picking this card because it terrifies me so all right Fair enough. Moving on over to our weekly topic, we're looking uh, forward to the fall releases. We have Lord of the Rings and Commander Masters that are going to dominate the rest of the summer. But once we get to the fall, we're going to be looking at a Ixalan release, a return to Ixalan, and a return to Eldraine, which we haven't been to for four years. And Ixalan for five for Ixalan. What was the release date on Ixalan? Well, Eldraine is up first, right? Uh, yes. So Lost Caverns of Ixalan is November 2023, and presumably Eldraine will be released late September 2023. And the original Ixalan came out September 2017, so it's been, geez, six years since Ixalan. Jeez. Time is flying. Yeah, <laughs> it's a flat circle. So... Basically, what we're trying to talk about here is what is going to move as a result once we get closer to these uh, sets being released, based on some assumptions in terms of themes and mechanics. Now, obviously, when we're looking at Ixalan, the biggest theme of note is just dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Uh, The plane is all about dinosaurs. It is the Jurassic Park of magic sets. And so relevant dinosaurs that haven't caught reprints and may not catch a reprint here, but will be necessary or desirable in dinosaur-focused EDH decks are things that everybody should be taking a look at. And the first thing that jumps to mind is is just fancy versions of Atali, right? Because Atali's already seeing plenty of play. And I'm not just talking about Primal Conqueror here. We also have the Secret Layer serial box drop. Uh, that includes Atali Primal Storm. And those are currently sitting at about seven or eight bucks. And if we look at total number of foil serial Atalis left, we're down to 41 listings with a relatively steep ramp up into the mid-teens from seven or eight. And if you look at the timeline for those, they dropped off a cliff from about 20 down to that seven or eight price point, but they've been drifting slowly, ever so slightly up since about mid-January. So I would imagine that that version of original Tally is worth keeping an eye on. I would also uh, recommend keeping your eye on 
foil showcase Atali's from March of the Machine. It's weird because that Atali feels like a mythic, but it's a rare. Yeah, it really, it, it seems like you see it all the time in assorted drafts. I'm also not in love with their choices for the Multiverse Legends Ixalan theme cards. Presumably this is the showcase style we're going to get this fall. I think it's like a preview. And right, with the, the coin-looking ones? Yeah, I don't love it because it thematically it works, but in terms of presenting the baddest dinosaur in the land, you, you really want to see it in action. Like, you want to see it stomping shit or eating something right. or, you know, a big dinosaur catching a, getting caught in the teeth of an even bigger dinosaur is, like, the classic uh, jump scare for this kind of thing. And I just don't think it works. Like, I think the art on the, the default tally is actually more dynamic. And it's true on both sides of the card, too. It's a flip card, and they use the same style on both sides. Now, that said, Showcase Foil Italis out of Mom are about 5 to $6 right now. I could easily see those end up ending up 15 if there's a bunch of dragon hype in the fall. Um, so Gishath is the most popular dinosaur commander. That's the one, the 8-mana 1 Trample Vigilant Haste when it hits somebody reveal that many cards, put any number of dinosaurs onto the battlefield and the rest on your library. Do you think they give us something better? Reprint is is also, you know, with Commander Masters coming up, there's a strong target for a reprint. It's already a 30-odd dollar card. So I think that we're going to get some reprint of Gishath before too long. And just the question is, just like we talked about uh, slivers last week and new five-color slivers, what on earth could they possibly do that is better than what this giant eight-mana dinosaur is offering? It's hard to say. I mean, they could give us a new version of Sakama. They could give us a new version of Galta. I mean, they just gave us Galta and Maverin, so... Maybe Oh, I forgot. Gishath had a secret lair drop already. Yep. That, that's already at 30. And that might be a pretty strong buy. Because, like I said, it, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they had something. Like Dinosaur Eminence in line with like what the Ur-Dragon offers could be something really amazing. But the, the Gishath is so amazing. Like It's everything you want a tribal commander to be. The funny thing about that foil etched version of Gishath is that it got down to relatively low. I think like that drop it was in was widely panned, but it got down to about maybe 20. But as you said, it's up almost at 40. So it basically covers the cost of the drop on itself. It doesn't look like it's available in foil either. Foil is etched. This a drop? I think it was only... Was it? Foil. Oh, that's right. Stupid TCG. And it's and it's a unique foil etched. They've called like five different treatments foil etched. I'm pretty sure yeah. this this particular drop is the only drop ever and the only set of magic cards ever that has this particular treatment, if I remember correctly. It's like a right. sparkly uh, etching. <laughs> There's so many cards to keep track of. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. So, yeah, I could see the, the foil-etched Githash being 
under some pressure for sure. There are plenty of copies. I think I see our I think I see Oko here with twenty copies <laughs> listed at forty bucks. So he will certainly be hoping it moves. I see another pro trader here with four. Uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of pro traders on the TCG player vendor list for this card. All people that bought the secret layer. It's moving a fair number of copies though. People are either planning ahead for dinosaurs, but there's a lot of sold copies between thirty five and forty bucks. Mm-hmm. So. I I think that if even if they give us a better uh dinosaur commander which you know is entirely possible uh we'd still this would still be a card you would put into the deck I I shudder to think what dinosaur they would give us that didn't have this maybe we're we're going to get a five color dinosaur cuz there are dinosaurs in other colors there was the primal ones in blue and black but um, I don't think there's anything else really notable in those colors. All the fun is in these three colors. There's a there's a vendor with 32 copies of Regisaur Alpha at $4. But if somebody bites that off, we're down to 16 listings and a ramp that says to me it's going to hit 10 to 15. And this very much look, to me looks like a card they will not reprint unless there is some kind of subset that includes prior dinosaurs. I'm not sure the dinosaur pool is deep enough that they need to go there. If they do, obviously it undermines potentially a lot of this stuff, but keep in mind that some of these specs will sell before you know, like leading into the the set release, people preparing to build. And Register Alpha is kind of an automatic include in all the dinosaur EDH decks. It's five mana for a 4-4. Other dinosaurs you control have haste, and whenever it enters the battlefield, you get a 3-3 dinosaur creature token with trample so it's a you know you're attacking with two or three things probably the turn it comes into play and then you're alpha striking every turn thereafter assuming it dodges reprints and it could easily show up in a secret layer a themed secret layer near the release but i think there's a chance these go 5 to 15 pretty easily i also think that uh awakening sun's avatar would be high on my list of things to go to it's eight mana you know five triple white seven seven when it comes into play if you cast it from your hand destroy all non-dinosaurs i'm a huge fan of uneven wrath effects and this one having foils available there's only uh, a handful there's only 11 vendors with foil copies available on tcg player one vendor has eight everybody else has one uh that's something that could be snapped off pretty easily if you think that the foils can be a 30 or 40 dollar card it was a mythic in ixalan so it's had six years to get expensive and this might be the thing that tips it over again if it's not reprinted and i I don't think there's going to be that many reprints in the actual set but i think there's a, a high likelihood especially with these return sets of you know things like the brothers war retro artifacts the multiverse legend sheet you know, accessories to the cool things that we're doing, it it seems likely, right? Some something at minimum something a, at minimum a themed secret layer. At minimum a secret layer. I would agree with you on that. This is a strong candidate for a secret layer, considering its current price and uh, what it offers. And fall sets usually get a strong subset, like we got Legends in Dominaria United, and we got uh, the schematic artifacts and serialize in Brothers War. So would be fairly surprising for them to not do something on that level. 
Uh, again, I don't think dinosaurs is a particularly deep pool, but they, they also have vampires as a sub-theme, an Ixalan, and, you know, the... the Merfolk. Yeah. The trick there is that the Merfolk and Ixalan are blue-green, so you'd want to be mm-hmm. looking at which blue-green Merfolk might matter the most, because there's a blue-green lord, Merfolk, Merfolk lord, I think, from original Ixalan block that's of relevance, and the trick with the vampires on Ixalan is that they're white. So, yeah, you know, that could breathe new life into decks like Edgar Markov, where getting extra white vampires in the deck that are solid one and two drops is is never uh, frowned upon. Now, if we look over at Throne of Eldraine, uh, one of the most busted standard sets ever to be printed with uh, a ton of banned cards, (laughs) not the least of which is Oko. (laughs) <laughs> possibly the, the most dominant planeswalker of its era. The key mechanic that they introduced in Eldraine originally was, of course, the adventures, where you can cast the creature out of your hand for an adventure cost and then later cost it, uh, cast it for its normal cost, right? Right. You, uh, you send <laughs> the creature on an adventure, it's exiled, until you uh, recast it. And in Pioneer, for instance, Stomp slash Bonecrusher Giant, prob- probably the, the most played overall. Murderous Rider saw tons of play uh, in Standard at the time and is a, a card that shows up here and there in EDH. Brazen Borrower, of course, can does show up in some even modern lists here, here and there as a, a one or a two of. Uh, I, think, I think there was some Fae of Wishes decks at some point as well to go fetch stuff out of the sideboard. Yeah, Crack Crashing Rhinos, I think, runs is a, a modern deck that still runs Borrower. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious whether we will get more adventures or whether they will just introduce a completely new mechanic along similar lines. I don't think you do something... like They've really leaned into modal spells... Lately, where you know something's good early and something's good late, and this this feels like an excellent place to do that. You know, they were iconic introductions, and they have a sweet frame. They're they're ready to go. People are are used to this, and I think they're going to lean hard into the adventuring. We'll we'll probably also get you know some of the the tribal stuff. This was also had the uh, the thing where if you spent mana of one color. They might not go back to that one. I forgot what that mechanic was called. But where if you spent three mana of one color, you got some bonus to do this, the thing. Oh, yeah. that That's a pretty weak one. I would imagine they'll skip that. Yeah. But I think adventuring is really strong and allows for people to... Gives, you know, like, gives you something to do early, something to do late. It's like Kicker. It, every mechanic is Kicker. This is just a different version of it. it. It leads me to wonder, if they do go back to adventures, whether something like an Edgewall Innkeeper where foils are currently like 10 to 30 cents, will end up being a buy list play. You know, that's the one, one for one, whenever you cast a creature spell that has an adventure draw card, and it was a constant staple for of in standard uh, while it was legal. The, there are, night. there was a night theme. So right. Siddhar Jabari could get additional pressure uh, on we the might deck. might have a really good standard night deck, man. Yeah, because I mean, there's also like, clues that they're leading us into the knights again because they gave us the mythic battle invasion of new phyrexia oh, that's right that 
is X white blue make X knight tokens. And there's a ton of knights. Like if you you, you and I have been playing a ton of uh, Mom Limited and blue white's neck knight knight's deck is no no joke. <laughs> no, that that Lord plus Tapper is ridiculous. Yeah, I, so I yeah, having there was a Numot the Nummy draft where he got like multiple copies of it. And I think a, a pro trader posted a blue white knights deck where he got seven copies of the Lord said it was the easiest. <laughs> That's right. I saw that. <laughs> he said he was like the easiest seven. Oh, he'd ever gotten man. Oh man. Uh, so we, we've got clues about the Knights, and like you said, Sabarjabari is already popular. Last time the Knights were black, red, white, weren't they? Yeah. Cause you had yes. uh, tournament grounds, the, the land that tapped for Mardu colors. So if they don't, the, the key will be to watch if they keep doing knights in blue-white if they decide uh, that the knights just are going to be a sprinkle in white and then some stuff in other colors. Maybe we're overdue for a five-color knight commander, but that's unlikely right after Sajar Jabari. It's po- no, but, I, no, I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, there's a lot of cool knights out there. But that would only put more pressure on things like Battle Angels of Tear. Mm-hmm. as night angels that that would have you know fresh demand and adeline resplendent cathar because it's just a strong card in general does a lot of work in mono white decks in standard uh and i think in pioneer as well and i think it even gets played in some versions of like humans even though humans is kind of fringe and modern these days so yeah i guess the pressure on the fanciest version available versions of adeline yeah, Adeline is a disgustingly good card, so I, I would not be surprised to see pressure on that. I think the double feature foil is already silly expensive, but there's other versions that can climb up there to join it. Doesn't seem like we have to worry about a subset in the Eldraine standard set that's going to include the Great Henge, because we know the Great Henge is already being reprinted in Lord of the Rings. I wouldn't be too shocked at a double tap, but you know, considering mm. its staple... No, I don't see I, them. I, I don't see them going after a banner mythic twice in six months. That just doesn't make sense. It's not. It's not a necessary yeah, card true. in Pioneer or anything. Like even the mono green builds in Pioneer don't run it. Which is wild to think that there's a, a mono green deck with giant creatures that doesn't want to play the Great Henge. Yeah, they they just don't need it. They're <laughs> perfectly capable of doing <laughs> doing damage on their own. Just don't need it. Uh, I would imagine that we're gonna get desparked versions of the twins. I don't think they died right. in, in Aftermath, did they? I mean, in they mentioned in something about how there's two different there's there's uh, a scion of war and a scion of peace, you know, for each of the twins, and we haven't really gotten cards for them, but non planeswalker versions seem very likely. Will it be a flip card kind of thing? We got that in which set was the flip? That was Strixhaven where we got the flip Rowan and uh, I forget the dude's name. But we got the flip version. We had the two versions in original Battle Bond that partnered each other, which is just a ridiculous experience. And you just, you know, we're going to have some cool features that they might work well together. They might play very opposite each other, but definitely that's going to be a thing. After all, there was a royal funeral to be held. So stuff's going on in Eldraine. You also have to wonder whether they're going to give us a new version of Emery. I think that's entirely possible. And I'm also curious to see how hard they push fairies. Like, I, I think there's a pretty solid possibility that they're, 
they decide to try to push fairies fairies back into modern with a couple of very 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 pushed ones given that they just gave us fairy mastermind yuda's card and that's like the second most played edh card uh out of mom it could be a clue like we know that there was fairy cards on this plane it's a storybook uh you know kind of a hansel and gretel-esque plane and so going back and giving us fairies on the level of brazen borrower or better seems very likely at least one or two of them so we don't really have we have one fairy lord right now and that's scion of una so a two a two mana lord that that could very easily happen here yeah uh, scion of una is probably a bit too much in at uh at three mana it's an eight dollar card was in lorwyn and modern masters but you know, three mana for flash flying. Other creature, other fairies get one one, and other fairies have shroud, so they go to kill your first one. You flash this in in response. Although playing mana, playing into open mana and fairies is just asking to get blown out, either by spell stutter sprite or something like this. I mean, spell stutter sprite is was a tremendous fairy back in its day. Like it was, it was the the glue that held that deck together. And I would imagine right. any new incarnation would also include it if it had a good one or two mana lord that went alongside it they could do a lord that only pumped the offense they could do a revised version of bitter blossom which is kind of completely un you know unplayable in modern fairies a second bitter blossom to play with are you crazy i think they would be like blue black make a fairy every turn lose a life and when fairies hit opponents you draw a card for two mana yeah they could print that 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 seems overpowered like but I, I see where you're coming from. There is also what, what, the, what if um, it takes two life or something? Like they'll, they could tweak that so that the massive upside is, also includes a greater downside. I feel like if they do the massive upside, they're going to make that a four mana enchantment. Like if they no. be a separate line of text where it says whenever a fairy you control hits an opponent, draw a card. It kind of depends. Like, like it, if, it's, if it's three, four, or five mana, it's an EDH card with some standard potential. If it's a two cast and cost card, it's targeted at Pioneer and Modern. Okay, let me pitch something else at you. The only special version of Glenelendra Liege, the uh, one and then triple hybrid cost black-blue, flying other blue creatures get 1-1, and then other black creatures you get 1-1. So if you have a blue-black creature, it gets plus 2, plus 2. Foil etched in Double Masters, yeah. In in Double Masters, it was a a foil etched, the Double Masters 22, available for around 2 bucks. Are you tempted? I'm not like jumping in hard, but I would certainly want to watch those foilettes and see if they start to hollow out. And I, I must have some of those sitting around, so I would certainly pull them and have them ready to sell. I was going to say, you, you've probably opened enough Double Masters. You've got some ready to go already. Yeah, so I think for the most part, that seems like the, the major themes. I guess the only other remaining one we haven't talked about is whether they go at food again. We got, we're getting a lot of food in uh, Lord of the Rings, it looked like. We got a couple of food cards, right? I think that's true, because the the Bagginses are, and uh, the Hobbits in general, are famous for their, their love of food uh, and the drink. Shire, the Shire makes food, but also the one of the key arts that they released is like the gingerbread man on a gingerbread horse. So I, I would imagine which, food will be a thing. Which looked like it was going to be a gingerbread knight, which will be hilarious. Gingerbread Knight is absolutely... I'm sorry, that's probably the gingerbread woman, I'm guessing. I can't really tell from this art. But 
you know, you've got grapes on a little fork there and cute gingerbread things. And a gingerbread night, gonna be a thing. Gonna be a thing. Cat uh, Cauldron is always a potential to watch. The food decks that are driven by Asmo in Modern are always kind of lurking on the fringes. Aspiring Spike's gone back and forth on those a ton of times, so has Doom Sun uh, and others. We never really see them show up in the top eights anymore, but get, if they get two or three key cards, that, that could easily change. It won't take much to push it over the top, it's true. Oh, this uh, this key art actually has uh, a name. It's Sear Ginger the Meal Ender. So yes, definitely a piece of gingerbread knighthood. <laughs> we'll probably get a new version to Oko. Character's not dead, as far as I know. Yeah, true, true not dead so we will we will indeed get a new oko a very fixed oko i would imagine it'll be a four casting cost oko that's pretty pushed you think they would they, they yeah, yeah it's, it's run the risk it's again yeah it's they, it, they won't do it risky they'll test it but it'll be cheeky it'll be a cheeky good four or five casting cost oko you can make whatever broken thing you want at five mana nobody's gonna care well the fairy hero of dominaria that does plenty of work at it's five, very good five five like casting. you know but it, it, again, like it needs the right deck to be built around it. Teferi's his own win condition. Every blue and white deck's perfect win condition, honestly, because it's based off of I draw so many cards and you have nothing left, and I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to make you wish you were dead. And it, the big thing there is it always, you know, I've, I've run two copies in in Esper Angels. It's always it puts lets you play tap out control because you're untapping lands at the end of your turn as you draw the card. Yeah. So your counter spell is always up after you do things whereas otherwise you might have been forced to leave mana open so yeah it's it's crazy yeah i think we'll get another oko that just seems like a, a no-brainer for going back to this plane and i'm also curious whether they'll finally give us more dwarves which could uh drive magda related things more dwarves seems likely although it'll depend on how many dwarves we get in the lord of the rings set well that's the other thing we're gonna we're getting dwarves in lord of the rings and then we'll probably get some more dwarves in eldraine which could finally be a critical mass of dwarves as a tribal uh, strategy. And it wouldn't be crazy for one of the commander decks in the fall to be dwarf, dwarven-themed as a result, or fairy-themed, or probably not knight. There are a lot of dwarves that could really use a reprint, it's true, and a commander deck would be the perfect place to put like your dwarven blood boilers and whatnot. I'm also not clear on where Garrick is at this point, but I would imagine we'll, if Garrick is on Eldraine still, we'll see a Garrick. Yeah, we haven't seen Garrick in a while. It's true. I, I'm not. I'd have to double check in the lore and see where he ran off to. <laughs> All right. Well, the last we saw him was the the Apex Predator, right? No, uh, the one where well on Eldraine it was Cursed Huntsman. Right, the six mana one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that seems like a pretty solid overview for these sets. I'm sure we will get uh, reveals from them or potentially leaks, since it's been a very leaky year. Uh, sometime in the next couple months, and then we'll uh, double back and see how we did. Where can folks find you online, my friend? You can find me online at Twitter at Word of Commander or my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. And you folks can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic, as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com and my constant haunting of the Pro Trader Discord. Also, like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money. 
playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. That's a lot for not knowing what's in the set, James, but I'm looking forward to next week as well. So here's here's my suggestion for next week. You and I are going to do origin stories. We're going to, we're going to talk about talk about our lives and how we how we came to be a part of this great game we call Magic. So for folks that don't know our backgrounds, next week should be pretty interesting. Unless they give us like uh, they spoil a whole new set along the way. In which case we won't have time. Yeah. Thank you, Cliff, and we'll see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. Mm-hmm.